Welcome to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. This show is where Dr. Jason Deitch and myself, Jeff Langmaid, give you a front row seat to our conversations with the current influencers, future leaders, and fantastic people involved in our profession. Hey, what's up, Smart Chiropractors? Dr. Jeff Langmaid here for another featured guest segment on the Smart Chiropractor Show. And I am happy to be chatting with uh, somebody that I've spent some time with clinically over the last few years, Dr. Cameron Banks. Cameron, thanks for coming on and chatting with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Jeff. You got it. So one of the things that I'm going to dive right in, I've sat with you in practice and within a ambulatory surgery center for manipulation under anesthesia. And many docs out there listening, maybe this is the first time they're hearing of it. Maybe they heard of it years ago and now they're re-hearing about it. That's still around, I guess. Let's peel it back. What sure. is manipulation under anesthesia? And then a follow-up on that is what piqued your interest early on to get you involved in it? Sure. So manipulation under anesthesia is, it's not really different than what we do in practice every day. It's really the application of chiropractic um, physiotherapy under twilight anesthesia. So the way I explain it to patients is that we essentially do uh, what we do in the office, um, but just like it would be if you go get an endoscopy or if you go get a colonoscopy. Uh, it's very light, um, but in fact, the, the manipulation portion is lighter than when you're awake, uh, simply because we don't have to use the same amount of force to get the job done. So the overall overarching goal of manipulation under anesthesia is so that we can reduce uh, articular adhesions that we just simply cannot achieve while you are awake. And it's, it's absolutely tremendous. Um, initially, when I heard about it, I, I went to Life University, so MUA was essentially a three-letter word, which should have really been four. Um, but I was exposed to it with the medical group that I work with. And when I first started with it, I thought there's no way you know, having magic ninja chiropractor hands that, you know, people that have had real chiropractic can, can benefit from this until you see it. And I've had roles of patients who have had chiropractic care. They failed my care. They failed other folks care, physical therapy. They've had injections, branch blocks, epidurals, surgery even, and you still see them coming in in pain and they're looking for answers. And MUA is a really good way that we we fill that gap, um, and it's it's absolutely tremendous. So, really, the the biggest thing I tell people to do is think of the patient that you wish you could have helped the most, and simply plug them into that. And that's kind of where it happened for me. Is I've seen people that I never thought I would see get better, get better. It's amazing. That is very very powerful, and I'd love to get into the benefits and some of the patient criteria. But before we get there. Explain a little bit about what it looks like and feels like. For many docs that have been unfamiliar, they maybe never have been in an ambulatory surgery center. They're not familiar. What's the team there? How does it work? Is this like a super clean room style? Is it, is it fast and loose? How does, what's the process look like for a patient and the team involved in a typical day at the office when you're doing manipulation under anesthesia? For an MUA, it really is probably the closest the chiropractor will ever get to being a surgeon um, because the, the look and the feel of it's really not that much different uh, than a typical surgical procedure, save the actual clean zones of, of actual sterile procedures. Um, so typically a patient will present early in the morning so that uh, they've had nothing to eat or drink and we're, we're doing them early so that they're not starving and angry at us. Um, they show up, they get prepped, they get talked to by the anesthesiologist, 
Um, but from there, it's a little more laid back because we're doing it in gym clothes rather than, you know, the, the hospital gowns or the paper gowns that you may have for a regular procedure. But once we're in there, yeah, it's, it's a full medical suite. It's a surgical center. There's a full medical staff. There are nurses, scrub techs, um, anesthesiologists, medical directors. It's a full-on surgical procedure, save there's no scalpels, there's no needles, there's no microscopes, there, you know, there's no obviously invasive procedures happening, but uh, we're doing chiropractic. So for the patient, until they get uh, in there, I mean, it's, it's pretty laid back, there's no transfer, you know, it's, it's not the cold slab that people are used to laying on if they transfer you while you're awake. Um, but it's fun, it's a fun atmosphere because we've usually got music pumping, everybody's smiling and laughing, um, having a good, a good time. Uh, but from there, it's pretty quick. It's maybe a 15 to 20, maybe 30 minute procedure if we really have some stuck joints or a rather complicated case. Uh, but it's it's pretty smooth. It flows really well. We've got multiple hands on deck. Uh, it's a two chiropractor procedure or even really, it's not even a chiropractic thing. Technically, MUA is an osteopathic technique. Um, so we generally have an attending chiropractor, a co-attending there's an anesthesiologist at the head of the table, a scrub nurse or another nurse is at our bedside helping monitor vitals. So it's a full-on procedure, but it's a lot quicker than typical quote-unquote surgery. No doubt about it. When you just mentioned two chiropractors and it's a kind of a two-man or woman type uh, operation, no pun intended, how, how, why is that the case for docs that haven't seen it? Explain a little bit about why more than one pair of hands is often necessary uh, when doing MUAs. Sure. So manipulation under anesthesia, it, it truly is under anesthesia. This is not a, a local block like somebody might do if they've had a dislocated shoulder or a reduction uh, of a joint. It's, it's an actual procedure where people are under twilight. So they are basically unable to guard anything. So they are a dead lump of meat on the table. <laughs> so what that means for us, typically, naturally, in, in chiropractic practice, you expect patients to be able to stabilize themselves or you know, think about inside posture, people are not really going to fall off of the table because they're either going to hold on or they're able to balance themselves. And that just simply does not exist uh, under under anesthesia. So naturally, with what we're doing, it was twofold. Number one, we obviously don't want anyone falling off of the gurney. Uh, but number two, it's also for making sure that since people don't have the guarding uh, ability for their for their own joints in their spine, we're actually making sure that you go back to chiropractic school, we're making sure that we're supporting joint structures as we do certain things to not only be safe, but also to be rather specific in what we do. And having someone who's creating tension, who's uh, making sure that the patient's stable when we're doing certain maneuvers is really important. And uh, it requires someone who's not just providing the thrust to be trained, but also the person who um, is assisting is, is certified as well. Because a lot of times when we're doing these things, it, it's also a bilateral procedure for the most part. So eventually the other set of hands will be doing some active procedures as well. That, that makes sense. I've seen it live in action, and it is everything that you described. But one thing I haven't seen are the patients before they arrive. So you mentioned articular adhesions and really trying to reduce those, increasing range of motion. What are some of the classic signs, symptoms, diagnosis that you see that might lead you down the MUA path? Is there any correlatives that you've seen? Again, specific diagnosis, patient types. How does somebody start to go down that path as you see them clinically up front? 
Sure. So the biggest thing I see, we, we do a lot of MUAs, uh, mostly around trauma cases, people who've been in uh, much larger uh, collisions or where there's a lot more force introduced into the body. So typically an MUA patient is one who has failed conservative care and conservative care is vague on purpose. That could be anyone who's had chiropractic care. They've done physical therapy. They've done regular medical first line. So, you know, NSAIDs, rest, um, basically home stretching, anything like that, or people who've gone through that typical protocol and they're still in pain and rather significant pain with some type of functional loss. So for us though, we take it a step further. We, we actually do get second opinions. We're not, we're not shooting from the hip with this. We're getting second opinions before we do this. So anyone who has had a procedure with us MUA, for an MUA has also already spoken with somebody in interventional pain, They've seen an orthopedist, they've seen a neurosurgeon even, depending on what's going on. And a lot of times with trauma, they have other conditions that may require, or technically from a, from a normal algorithmic perspective, may qualify for injections. They may qualify for surgeries even, microdiscectomies for aminotomies, laminotomies. There's a lot of things that we've, we've actually been able to avoid with MUA. So from a patient standpoint, yeah, there is a, a strike zone. And that's really where I want to spend a lot of my professional future exploring more into is that, yes, technically we have patients who have unresolved pain. They have um, reductions in range of motion. Their ADLs are not what they used to be. But for me, I think the biggest thing that I've seen professionally that I'm going to essentially put into white paper someday and hopefully publish, I've noticed people who have the more mental side of this who have been affected. So people... I want anyone who's had patients who you know you've given them awesome adjustments, you know that they've been extremely compliant with care, and when they come in, you just you can still see that they should be getting better, but they're not, even though your objective, your subjective findings, they all are matching, but what they are telling you is not really hitting home. And I've noticed that people who have more of the mental trauma of, 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 um, of injuries is one of the things where I've seen people respond the best. Um, so people who have that underlying PTSD type issue uh, or the stress or trauma of, or potentially being injured again and people that, uh, you know, if you do an MR, MRI review with a patient and you see personally that, hey, look, you might actually wind up doing pretty well with an epidural because, you know, you have a low grade disc herniation. It probably would do pretty well in the low back and you cannot, we all know what that look like, looks like in a patient's eyes when they get the big saucer eyes and automatically start to kind of freak out on you without really saying anything. So when I see that, I automatically, I drop MUA into the chamber of my next conversation because if they're not going to be able to take the next uh, step in the, the care ladder where they may actually do well with an interventional procedure, then I always wanna offer that opportunity for them to still get better without leaving, having them leave my office, having not gotten an answer that, um, that they may actually benefit from. That, that makes sense. For many docs out there, this might be a new concept in terms of truly manipulation under anesthesia. And we think about chiropractic care in office as a care plan, right? It might be six visits, it might be 12 visits, it might be 24 visits, whatever it might be. With MUA care plan, is it one and done? Do people typically come back? How does the care plan work? And then how does it sit within, and you sort of alluded to this, but dig a little bit deeper. How does it sit within uh, what I'll call more traditional chiropractic care plan? Is it at sure. the end? Is it in the middle? How does it play with? 
so it's pretty awesome how it works. Um, and again, I went to Life University, so for me, my 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 traditional training was around the idea of getting someone to be quote unquote clear, right? So for all of the neurological docs out there, the tonal docs out there, obviously we want people to get to the point of where we don't need to adjust them because their body continues to be what we consider normal, right? We want them to get to the point of where their body's adapting to the environment that they're in. So traditionally, we do. From my, from my model, and we do probably the most of, of any pr practice in America from what I'm, I've been told. Um, but the way I see it work, we generally do take people through a traditional care plan where we do uh, chiropractic care, we do therapeutic exercise, manual therapy. We don't do as much passive stuff long run, but we do actively get people involved into more active care. And if they're still not resolving, then yes, we do start introducing the MUA later on. So typically it works out to around maybe two to three months post-injury, uh, at least if we get a brand new case. But sometimes these cases for, for people who come in, they may have been in pain for a decade and we still take care of them and um, do what we need to do to get them better. But that being said, though, MUA, while the procedure is rather short, we do it two days in a row. Uh, we do it on the weekend so that it's a lot calmer in the surgery center. It doesn't interfere with anyone's work week um, for the most part. And then from there, though, even though the procedure is two days over the weekend, we do the exact same procedure essentially back-to-back -back days. We actually do prescribe post-MUA therapy as well. And it's no different than really anything else. You know, if you go to the gym and you go really do a hard workout, you need to do a cool down. You have to make sure that you stretch and go for a walk so you don't just shut it down. Or people who have knee replacements or people who have hip replacements. If you've ever talked to anyone who's had a knee replacement, you know as soon as they're awake enough to, uh, to be talking back to someone consciously and well, they're pretty much gonna start getting you out of the chair and having you walk around because you have to start moving those joints. And post-MUA therapy is exactly the same concept. When we reduce uh, the scar tissue adhesions, the articular uh, contractures, anything that's going on inside of the joint. It's no different than typical scar tissue in the sense that if you tear a scab off of a, of a cut that's not healed, it's going to grow right back. Um, but from an articular standpoint, we have to get the joint moving and keep it moving because otherwise it's going to be unsuccessful. Um, so similar to people who've had frozen shoulders or rotator cuffs, if patients are non-compliant, they're going to refreeze or be actually worse um, functionally than they were before, even if they're not in pain. So we actually do see people for around another maybe eight to 12 visits post MUA, still continuing on uh, with the therapy. It's not as adjustment heavy because most of the time there aren't as many fixations that need to be done or to be corrected. Uh, so there may be one or two more adjustments, but light ones, not full blown you know, there's obviously no, you know, flying sevens or anything like that taking place. It's small tweaks just so that the, we're helping continue calibrate people after the fact uh, to help them maintain their new newfound mobility and really start to ingrain the brain into how to keep things normal uh, rather than falling back into their old injurious patterns. Yeah, you definitely got to get keep those joints moving once they get moving for sure. Question that comes to mind for me is, I think we've explored a, a good amount and there's so much more we can on the clinical side, but let's talk the business side for a little bit. Is sure. this something that typically goes through major med? Is it cash? Is it personal injury? How do you see that playing out? Well, how does it play out today? And maybe I'll ask you to, to break out your crystal ball a little bit. How do you see that playing out in, you know, in the future? 
Sure. So right now we, we probably do a bulk of the procedures. We do them under, under LOPs or physician liens, uh, simply because much like anything else in personal injury, we have a little more leeway to do what we need to do to get people better without having to do pre-authorizations or, or things like that w with the, uh, the traditional insurance model. Now, that being said, though, MUA is covered under some circumstances uh, like frozen shoulder, elbow contractures, um, post total knee replacements, uh, anything like that. They typically are covered under major med. Um, it really depends on the, the policy, though. It depends on the insurance company because the policies do vary place to place. Interestingly enough, I think that uh, I'm, I'm still young in the grand scheme of things. I think that MUA used to be covered through major med with for spine. But presently, it's not. And I think what it is to me, I've read a couple of the policies and it left me scratching my head uh, because if I remember correctly, the uh, the policy had said something along the lines of, you know, MUA is only indicated when there needs to be a reduction for cord compression or a dislocation of the spine, you know, and it gave me a mini anxiety attack thinking about trying to do an MUA on somebody who probably needs neurosurgery rather than an adjustment. Um, so I think they're presently, it seems to be that it's worded so that we don't, I think there's a lot more politics in that rather than medical necessity. Um, and then I think in the future, yeah, if the more docs we get to do this, the more data that we create, the more results that we produce, um, not only from a, from a joint perspective in terms of range of motion, negative orthopedic tests. I think if we can start to show that we have. Uh, an impact on more fibromyalgia, migraine spectrum type disorders, things that are chronic pain. Um, you know, before COVID-19, there was this big push on the anti-opioid, um, uh, on the anti-opioid opioid front. And MUA really does fit well into that because I can't tell you how many people who've gone from, you know, seven, eight, nine out of 10 pain, full-blown radicular pain, taking Tylenol 3, Percocet, whatever they can get their hands on, or, you know, here in Florida, it's pretty easy to get your hands on the other stuff. But patients who have just straight up been able to come off of it because unconsciously when we get them better, they just seem to respond to the point of where they don't have the same amount of pain. So I think looking into the crystal ball, like you said, if we can start putting together some some data more around the functional side, whether it be the mental the mental portion the actual functional exams rather than just focusing on like goniometry, inclinometry. Um, yes, that plays a very important part because we have to show what's going on. But as we all know, and we see sometimes in chiropractic where we can adjust someone and their sinuses clear up, there's there's something to that. While it may not obviously be the, the sinuses in the neck, there's a neurological impact. So the better we do, uh, the better job we do showing that and putting research on paper, I think we're going to see that grow and provide the probably one of the bigger opportunities in chiropractic care uh, for us to grow as a profession, not only lucratively from a, from a case perspective, but more importantly, from a case or from a patient care perspective, because we have people who just don't get the results they need in the, the traditional models presently. Um, and to circle back to the lucrative side, they can be rather lucrative. Um, the older docs may have a bad taste in their mouth from MUA because of the price tags there used to be. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, it's nowhere near uh, like that any, anymore. And not only that, it's still much more sensible than surgery. So if it's an option that we can offer to patients that not only saves them money uh, from an attorney perspective, if it can save them money from a case uh, from a case value perspective, but also help the patient and help ourselves too, everybody wins. 
um, but there's a lot less risk for side effects or things that may cause problems down the road for future cases, for patients' functional abilities, and uh, for your ability to take care of them in the long run too, where you know, if somebody's had a three-level ACDF, you're not gonna be able to adjust them anymore. They're only gonna be able to do branch blocks or physical therapy maybe, or you know, icy hot patches or whatever Shaq is selling on TV lately. Um, but with MUA, obviously, if we maintain structural integrity, then we, we're still an option for them in, a future, in the future as well. So it really does, MUA is, it's, it's broad, it's foreign to a lot of people, but it offers a lot of capability for patients to return back to normal life, but it also keeps our options open as providers so that we can help people from that point. Well said. For docs out there that their curiosity is as peaked and they're wondering, okay, how do I learn more uh, about becoming an MUA certified doc? How do I understand more about what action steps I can take to see if this would fit within my practice? Where should docs either, where should they go to? Where should they check out their next steps to learn more about MUAs? So we do that. We actually do the training in our facility. So we're down here in Tampa, Florida. We do procedures probably around 15 minutes from the airport, maybe closer, depending on how traffic works out. Uh, it happens to a gentleman named uh, Dr. Robert Gordon, and he's been doing MUAs for a very long time. He and his group, uh, we, they do the training in our facility. It's, um, it's a multi-day procedure, or excuse me, a multi-day um, training course where there is a didactic portion. You actually sit down and you learn the science and the, the philosophy of how this stuff works and why. Uh, and then on the weekends, you actually will sit in with us and watch us do procedures. So you'll see how patients respond. I, I make it a point that when people do come by, I snag them and say, hey, come with me. I want to show you uh, how my patients are talking to me right now versus how they talk to me later. And, you know, we, I think we did procedures now three weeks ago from the time this is being shot. And I had a patient who's been with me for two years and she's already had neck surgery, so we couldn't do anything with her neck. Um, she's 64 and she's still having seven to eight out of 10 back pain. She can't do yoga or Pilates anymore. She's very active. And as of Monday, it's our Monday for a follow-up and she is about a one and she hasn't really had any type of functional changes since. So just, I have my patients be followed by the little cohort that comes in. So not only will you get something that you can drop into the tube, if you have existing, uh, connections of folks who have access to a surgery center. Uh, the, the, the course will help you learn how to be credentialed in to get privileges on site. Um, and then also how to run the business side of it as well between talking to attorneys uh, with how to educate patients, how to uh, set up the billing, all of that stuff is part of the course. And uh, not only that, you get credit for it. So anyone who's out there needing to scramble for a whole package of CEs, you get quite a few. I think it's a 36 hour course. So it's quite a bit of knowledge over a week, a, sh a long weekend. Uh, but Dr. Robert Gordon uh, is the provider who does that. And uh, I think it's Cornerstone MUA Professionals. Uh, you can look him up that way. Or if anyone has any questions, you can certainly reach out to me as well. Uh, we are doing quite a few of them down here. So if anyone ever has questions, look me up on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I think it's at Cameron Banks DC. Drop me a message. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well. Same same username. Uh, find me. Shoot me any questions or concerns you have, and we'll get you uh, we'll get you set up and learn how to, how you can help more patients. 
Thank you so much, Cameron, for coming on. I've, I've seen your work in action and it is, it's fascinating, it's interesting, and certainly it is something that is complementary to what a lot of us are doing out there and probably have never expanded our mind to. So thanks for coming on, sharing what you know, and I'm gonna encourage everybody listening and watching, if this interests you, be sure to take Cameron up on his offer, connect with him, see what the next steps would be. And Cameron, thanks again for coming on and chatting. You're welcome, thanks doc. Thank you for listening to Interviews by the Smart Chiropractor. Join us again next week for another episode and leave us a review when you have a moment. This episode has been brought to you by the Smart Chiropractor. The Smart Chiropractor can deliver more new patients, better retention, and more consistent reactivations to your practice without spending any money on paid advertising. Learn more and get started today at thesmartchiropractor.com.